Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. What up, Mary Jane? Hi, Mike. How are you this week? Um, um, I'm doing well. How are you? Are you well? I mean, what else can I say? The truth. How am I? I am. Listen, real talk. Let's dig in. Let's dig in. What's okay. up with the culture? Well, okay. First, I marked two years in LA. I live here now. Second, Jerry Seinfeld was at your fucking show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only put myself first because I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Yeah, that was amazing. It was unbelievable. That was fucking unbelievable. I don't... He's a real person. He did my show. He, we shook hands. We had a conversation. He killed. He crushed. And then said a couple more nice words to me. We had a pleasant time. And he dipped as soon as he could afterwards because he knew what was next which was everybody slowly like not watching the show anymore and coming up to him one by one or hoping to like you know you do that move where you see someone like that on stage and then you slowly see people like leave like they're gonna go outside to smoke but they're like oh, i'll just wait out here for him and da, 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 you know so he made you know he's been famous a long time he's been famous a long fucking time my yeah. whole adult life and it's 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 like a move to protect himself it's also a generous move for the other performers who are left to take the stage and the room in general it oh really that's so is. interesting it's a very it it's really a very is. it's a thoughtful thing to do yeah yeah honestly i mean i don't know what his intention is with it but it works on both fronts it does because uh courtney had a great set after him she was great. Yeah. she And she walked off and I was like, that was, she was like, oh, that was awesome. And like, she killed after you him. Just it was good. followed Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. It was great. And you reset the room in between in a really lovely way with like, uh, everyone take a collective breath and mm -hmm. acknowledge what we just saw. And holy fuck, he just showed up, worked, killed. Yep. And now let's all hang continue. out and continue. And you gave away some fun stuff and it yeah. was great. It was, it was cool. L.A. Wow. is wild sometimes. Fucking wild. It's a magical town like that. Sometimes you just really can have those moments. Yeah. And I've had a bunch of them at your goddamn show. That was a fucking great way to like finish up that series. It was tight. For yeah. Now. That was it for now. Like that was the end of season one in a way because yeah. I won't be able to do it this month in July. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I'll take that as a season finale. Hell yes. Yeah. It was so cool. I'm looking for a new vape pen. If I can be honest right now. Okay. I'm not feeling anything I'm smoking. Okay. Like I flipped, I've tried four different vapes uh, and all of them are just not sitting right with me. Like when mm -hmm. we, okay. So the other day uh, when we met to, uh, for dinner to talk about that writing thing mm -hmm. and I was like, oh fuck, I don't. I forgot how high I am because I haven't <laughs> talked to anyone all day. Like, you know that shit when you haven't talked to anyone all day and then the first words out of your mouth don't come out because you're like, oh, I'm so high. Uh -huh. I just didn't know about human contact. Yep. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, God. It was tough. It was pretty great because I also had not spoken to anyone all day. And I think we both had that moment of looking at each other and being like, oh words hello hi how are you it took a minute it took yeah. a minute to like kind of plug into reality and be like hi hello how are you totally let's get food and talk 
I forgot what people are like. I didn't. Sometimes I'll hear my own voice and I'll realize that when it comes out of my mouth that it's been a hot 48 hours since I've talked to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like going that long, but for sure. No? Mm, I prefer not to. Yeah. 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 You're healthier than I am. Well. (laughs) You don't walk around your apartment all day. And I know that my neighbors think that I'm basically just someone who yells fuck, die and come on. And like, that's like my whole three word vocabulary in my apartment. Wow. I mean, depending on what order you put those in, it's an interesting day. (laughs) Come on. Fuck. Die. Die. Like you just Mm -hmm. killed someone. Right. Right. Yeah. I have a fun project where I get to like go buy a bunch of stuff and sample it. So I will do some experimentation and due diligence and sampling and get back to you on what um, I come across. Please do. Being great. I know I'm actually really excited about it. And it's an interesting time right now in California because as of July 1st, the California compliance laws have all just changed. And so what's available in dispensaries now is radically different because all of the small companies that weren't able to keep up with regulations have had to um, either pull their inventory or they've had their inventory destroyed. So there are a bunch of like smaller mom and pop like cannabis shops that have had to close up. Mm-hmm. So can we break this down for people who might not know what you're talking about a little bit? Yeah. So uh, it's a bunch of regulation stuff that I don't know a whole lot about from. But July 1st was the date when right. everything changes and everything yeah. did change. Everything did change. So January 1st, 2018 was when weed was fully legal in California for adult use. And that meant that licensed uh, pot retail shops could sell cannabis products for adult use and then that sort of like took its time to like for places to get licensed and then those places came online and then they were able to sell all sorts of fun stuff edibles and vape pens and flowers and everything pocket pussies (laughs) flashlights for stoners Mm -hmm. um where it's like a you hit a it's like the just a bong (laughs) with like a balloon in it yeah you put your mouth on it and then you put your dick in it (laughs) it's just so sad (laughs) it's all Um, make it i will try it oh my god you could i have a bong right there you could take it home with you i don't want to have sex with your bong well maybe you do though i don't know look at her she's pretty it's pink (laughs) she is a beautiful bong i have a pretty pink bong (laughs) my strange life i'm in love with my bong oh my god i mean people marry bridges and shit so you know you could fall in love with that bong by the way bridge I don't want to do a bit. <laughs> I don't want to do a bit, especially with our guest today. Well, today we made a great meal. Oh, you made a great meal, mostly. I made a pretty great meal. It was fucking awesome. It was good. Um, but your recipe was, it's summertime. Yeah. That's what I'm all about right now. It is summer- summertime. Summertime sips, summertime bites. Some, yep. Summertime. And we, knowing that we had a guest coming over for dinner, you were like, it's hot out. I don't want to eat stuff that is, you know, like a stew or a, anything heavy. Uh-uh. All I'm looking for right now is like a cold pillow mm. and a like refreshing bite. The uh, I made a watermelon feta and mint salad. So good. That was the first thing you said you wanted to make. Been craving it. I've been yeah. craving it because I love watermelon. Mm. It's just got to be like hot as fuck outside for me to think about it. You mm-hmm. know, I never think about it. But once I do take that watermelon, cube it up. Uh, make a dressing out of olive oil, salt, pepper, honey, mint, just like, you know, cut up some mint. And then you can add Tabasco if you want. You can add orange juice if you want. You can add lemon if you want. Do I'd, it however I've you do it. I've had it with a little balsamic in there. Absolutely. That'd be great. Some people, because of all the mint, they also take arugula so that you've got a little bit of like... 
mm-hmm. bitterness to it and a little pepperiness to it. A little too. pepper shock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I love it. I love it so much. And then yeah. so you just take the dressing of, uh, what did I say? Olive oil, honey, salt, pepper, and mint. Drizzle, mm-hmm. drizzle, drizzle. And then shit ton of feta. Just douse it in feta. I mm. love feta so much, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's got that honey, salt smooth oh, creamy cubed and crunchy and then a little pop Fuck, yeah and then like some honey sweetness it was so cooling and refreshing and good it was like good. the kind of good where like i wanted to be like on a beach in a swimsuit and like running like a cube of watermelon along my collarbone <laughs> you know and, and then some, like eating it <laughs> so good some guy walks by and he like turns around and takes his sunglasses and like bends them down on the bridge of his nose like oh yeah and i'm like it's not for you <laughs> it's not for you <laughs> okay <laughs> Go away, Kool-Aid man. <laughs> yeah, why is he there? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Never mind. Um, that sounds good. Also, it's such a fun toothpick food. I'm really into toothpick foods in the summertime. I don't know about you, but I love eating with a toothpick. And that reminds me of summer so much. Oh, when you, yeah, okay. That's not what I thought. Initially, I was like a food that makes you need a toothpick. And oh, for like, like mint and shit like that? Mm, oh, of course. Yeah. No, I love eating a toothpick food. Like a little cherry tomato <laughs> with a little mozzarella ball on yeah. it with a sliver of basil. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Eating light and eating good. Oh, so good. And especially leading up to like the gut bomb of all holidays is coming out fucking july 4th is this week this is actually going to drop on july 4th this will be a holiday pod oh a hot holiday pod Mm -hmm. cool all right great i'm not celebrating the fourth of july this year i'm not either i'm gonna probably go camping and be naked in a lake somewhere on mushrooms so that sounds awesome bye i'm gonna shoot bottle rockets out of my urethra and just see what happens that sounds uncomfortable well we're both camping our way We're each camping in our own way. <laughs> yeah. I'll just come back to town and be like, how'd you blow your dick off, Mike? <laughs> uh, America style? Oh, my God. I actually For the USA? Do you know someone who... Blew their a, dick off? Well, no, not his dick, but he blew his hand off. With a, with a firework? That's yep. so sad. It is fucking sad. He was uh, in... I met him a long time ago uh, in Alaska. He... Uh, was singing karaoke in this bar one night and he was so good and I w- we ended up chatting afterwards and I noticed he had this like leather cover over one of his hands and he told me this I think he probably tells the story every day you know he had a M80 in one hand and a beer in the other hand and he threw the beer <gasps> and it was on July 4th oh mm-hmm. fuck yep and he was like and I threw the beer and was waiting for the bang and then it was just he threw the wrong thing no. Nope. Don't fuck with it. Also, just fireworks. And ge- I set fireworks off uh, a couple years ago uh, at a sort of memorial service and was expecting it to just be like this fun thing. And I got a little too close to them and the whole thing was kind of scary. And I don't know. Just don't fuck with them, especially if you've been drinking or yeah. if you're impaired in any way. I know. That's my PSA. <laughs> it's it, it, it's not even lame to say. Like no. we used to have Roman candle fights where we would shoot Roman candles at each other while running around the streets. What? And we were having so much fun firing them at each other. But now looking back on it, that was just, why were we doing that? So anyway. All right. No 4th of July. But I oh. will say, can I tell, can we talk about the, with the rest of the meal? Fuck yes. Uh, uh. So you found a recipe. She's a vegetarian. Jamie's a vegetarian. Oh, our guest today. Yeah, our guest, Jamie. Our guest, Jamie. Okay, well, yeah. we'll get to her in a minute. Okay, uh, but you found a really great recipe for uh, pasta with uh, snow peas, asparagus, just like 
delicious, almost like melting away shallots. Mm. And then um, I churched it up a little bit and we made some lemon breadcrumbs <gasps> with it and used a ton of lemon. Because you know when you use like a pasta sauce or when you use like a pasta water to make the sauce, like you just add it back in, stir it up and all that starch and all the oil and everything just starts like making its own kind of creamy sauce was that a culinary school trick yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it was a good one it's good right yeah and then you add a little butter just to like really glossy like mm-hmm. make it real glossy yep and um and so i did that but then it was like i needed something else so i just added so much like so many squeezes of lemon and then the breadcrumbs made those into like lemon breadcrumbs it was fucking amazing it was good. It was so good. And, uh, oh, and fresh parsley. Got to Fresh parsley herb. and then tons of shaved Parmesan. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. To, uh, you got to finish with parsley and Parmesan. Mm-hmm. So crucial. Uh, we had a pretty freewheeling, wide-ranging discussion with our friend Jamie today. Mm-hmm. Jamie Waxman. Yeah. Sex uh, therapist, sex educator, author, all-around fucking great person, great mm-hmm. human. Her, I didn't know her history. Yeah. I We get into it, like, I think a third of the way through. Mm-hmm. Like, she has some really unbelievable stories. Yeah. But the books she's written and the stories she told, I was like, oh, you have, like, made an impact across so many people's lives. She really has. And you've lived a life, too, to be able to help other people, which I fucking love. Yeah. That's what I loved about this interview so much, was, like, hearing about how she has lived and the experiences she's had mm-hmm. so that she knows from a place of like, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. She fucking knows what she's talking about so deeply. It's so true. She speaks the truth. You knew each other in New York? I met Jamie, I think I met her at Burning Man. And then we knew each other in New York through the Burning Man community and just always really liked each other. Yeah. And uh, we're sort of like friends with the same people and saw each other peripherally and stuff, but like never really hung out that much. Um, Just saw each other at wild parties and stuff. And then I we lost track of each other and had totally different lives for a while. And then last year I was at a party here, Afternoon Delight. Katie Partlow, Little Face Events, fucking awesome party. Oh yeah, Frank Lloyd Wright House. Yep, and uh, you were there. It was awesome. Yeah, and we uh, reconnected. She came across the room, and she was wearing this like amazing dress, and she just was like, hey, Mary Jane? And I was like, holy fuck, Jamie. And she's done so much since we last connected in New York. She's written a bunch of books, and she's gotten her second master's, and she's now just like, I don't know, fucking killing it and she works for uh like for sexual health she's a sexual health and wellness advocate and therapist and she's also just fun and funny and i don't know thank you to everybody for writing in a bunch of great questions we got to almost all of them i think yep the only one we didn't get to i think i'm going to save for another episode and if you wrote it i'm just going to say when we talk to a grow expert about weed i will come back to your question because it was great but i didn't want to ask it here i wanted to ask someone who grows mountains and pounds of marijuana for consumption across the world oh i can't wait to hear what that is yeah but everyone everyone thank you so much for writing in um and also thank you so much for writing to us yeah with every podcast and subscribing and telling pals and we have a pretty cool thing coming up and we've got 
bunch of cool things coming up yep. and growing and growing. And we're on all the platforms now, every oh, single yeah. platform. Oh, yeah. And numbers are growing and it's all because of you guys and like you're interacting with what we do, which is the most fun thing for us to like read messages and DMs and see, you know, any comments that you ever want to leave. And please, you know, do all the rating and liking and subscribing and telling friends because it means a lot and helps us grow and have more fun with you guys. Yep. Uh, last thing. Yeah. Before we get to Jamie, mm. um, we will be doing a soup episode follow up. We were so excited to have Jamie as our guest, and we talked to her for a very long time, and it got super into detail. And I said some stuff where I was like, "Ooh, we, this is going out there," and I'm so excited to drop it. And so, listen for the soup thing coming up in a little bit of time. Yep, soup to come. Here is our talk with Jamie Waxman. <laughs> sexy, sexy, sex. So we are here with author, sex therapist, and sex educator, Jamie Waxman. Hi, guys. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me. This is so cool. Yeah, this is a highly anticipated episode. <laughs> hotly, hotly anticipated. Uh-huh. Did you guys do your research? How do you know? Uh, social media. Oh, right. Uh, uh, that yeah. would make sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. You kids these days with your social media. <laughs> Wrote down the, the word sex, and everyone was like, hmm, what? Okay, yeah. What do, what do you think would be the most common question you'd get around sex? If I was in your shoes and guessing what you get asked about the most, do yeah. I want to fuck my mom? Wow. That's a close second. Is that second? Yeah. Okay, I can't think of no, what the first one. No, not. it's not. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> why, why not? <laughs> I was going to go with it, and I'm like, oh, wait, that's just not. No. What is it? What is the most common question? Like, why do I fall in love with my dad even though I hate him? Uh, they're not when it comes when it surprisingly when it comes to sex, they're not often about mom and dad, but they oh. sometimes are. Like if I've walked in on my parents, but I think I think that um, the most common question I get is how would I know if I had an orgasm? That would be a really big one. Wow, I feel like it's so. You, I guess I'm lucky enough to know and have known since I was a kid. And that's no. what I think it really comes down to is that if you've actually had an or female orgasm, I would say, you know. then you you know most of the time, if not all of the time, I'm going to say all of the time, <laughs> you know. Right. And then you may not be able to replicate the exact same thing, but you have that experience to work from. Right. So the answer to that is you've never had an orgasm? A lot of the time it is. It doesn't mean that somebody hasn't come close or hasn't experienced a lot of pleasure, but the actual idea of an orgasm, so an orgasm is a series of rhythmic contractions, muscular contractions, right? That's what an actual orgasm is. So the idea around having one, um, I think, comes with the experience of having a felt experience of it for most people. And a lot of times people feel really good, but they don't get to that last place. Right. Have most Especially of those people, women. though, had like like erotic dreams that ended in an orgasm? They just can't duplicate it in reality? I don't know the percentage of females who have erotic dreams that end in orgasm. I know it exists. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, uh, I think more men would experience than that. And not all men do either, but nocturnal emissions Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, But, uh... A.K.A. Great Dreams. I don't think most women who ask it actually think that they had one in their sleep. I think that they aren't sure if they had one because they were with somebody, it felt good, and then it didn't feel good anymore. And so did that mean something happened, like, in that in-between part? 
And then I always think about like, I don't know, how would you describe it for you, Mary Jane? I think of like a sneeze sometimes or a wave crashing, which are so like, <laughs> uh, really? You're going to go there of anything? But it's true. It like builds up and builds up and builds up and then it happens. It's and- like sneezing while you're surfing. Oh! <laughs> All I know is that before, like, I had orgasms before I ever had sex. And I remember the feeling and not knowing what it was when I was, like, you know, I don't know exactly how old Do you I know was, how, you don't know how old you were when it started? Probably, like, 10. Hmm. Yeah, little. And I remember it was, like, there was an experience that I had when I was climbing a rope in a gymnasium. And there was another experience that I had that I can't remember how it happened. But, and it, I just remember it feeling, like, I felt like, um... I felt like it was a magic. It was magic. I was really into the Oz books at the time, mm. and I thought it was some weird magic from like a book that I was reading. I honestly wow. thought that's what it was. So like I've always felt like there's some kind of like beyond the physiology of it, like that there is some sort of magic to it. I don't know. That's so beautiful. Like really, what a great experience you get to have because it doesn't sound like there was a lot of shame or any shame around those first times. None for me and I feel very fortunate. And you know, like I've contended with other stuff since then as a, you know, sure. sexual person and a, you know, grown woman, but it started out with a yeah, kind of a nice thing. Damn, that's yeah. so good. Was it climbing up the rope or sliding down? Climbing up that oh, action wow. of like gripping and squeezing with your thighs. The squeezing around. of the thighs is so important mm-hmm. for people who are trying to have, women who are trying to have an orgasm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, oh. yeah. And I feel like that's such a, like to really own your sexuality as a woman, you know, being passive, like going from being a passive person to being sort of an active partner. I don't know. I mean, I can only imagine that like that, that thigh action is such a big part of it. Like, I think you just nailed it. Yeah. And, yeah. and so often, like, I think, you know, you're especially like the stuff that I grew up on, the erotica was like the woman, you know, being flung upon a divan and then ravaged by someone and she didn't really have any agency in it. So I don't know. Oh, that's so true. You know, it's Damn. different now, maybe. I don't I know. I grew up reading so a lot of like, I don't know, like Jane Eyre and stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, as you're saying that even, I was just I, thinking about the fact that like this is where people get their sex education is through books or movies or friends, but it sex education and emotional education, which I think is a really big thing as well. We don't learn in school. We don't learn how to balance a checkbook. We don't learn a lot of the things that we need to learn to have healthy relationships. And, um, I don't know why it's assumed that people are getting that at home or wherever they're getting it, but most of the time they're not. And so for you to have this rope discovery and then to be able to actually literally build upon it to figure out a little bit more about your body that's such a gift and to not and to feel the magic and all of that that you associate with it you on some ways you taught yourself that so I mean you did and what a cool way to educate yourself around your own sexuality to start to start well and uh, and not to have it connected with sex to start yeah which was like a super cool thing I think and, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it was I personal. Got... It was like you inside I, you. Yeah, I knew that I shouldn't talk about it. I guess I knew enough to be like, I'm not going to tell my friends about this. I'm not going to talk with my parents about it. It was. It felt like a private thing, yeah. but it didn't feel dirty or weird. You know what, though? Did it also maybe feel private because you were like, do I have a superpower? Like, did I read this book and I'm like in this book, this fantasy land and I'm special? Maybe a little bit. Like, yeah, I was a weird kid. <laughs> 
Sounds also, you got up that rope, kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> never would I couldn't do it. Me neither. No, nope. down at the bottom, like oh, I just climbed and was waiting for the next person to come. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that's a good first one. Hmm. I just I don't know jerked off a lot from a young age, and it felt great, and so I never stopped. Did you have any shame around it? No, I was a pretty suspicious kid. So anything anyone thought, I immediately was like, that's not it until I, I just didn't believe anyone. So I always just did my, I did whatever I wanted unapologetically and then decided for myself while desperately wanting to be liked by everybody, Mm -hmm. but like in my own choices, you know what I mean? So let me ask you, can I ask you something though about your first, going back to your masturbating and first orgasm? Yeah. What was it like for you the first time something new came out of your body? Do you remember? Yeah, I do remember. I remember everything about it. Everything. Because it felt like getting, like, you know, that popular person's signature in the yearbook. You were like, oh, shit. Like, (laughs) what's up? Like learning the secret and using it. Uh Uh-huh. Totally. (laughs) I didn't know what it was, but I was like, I I remember, like, I remember freaking out, being super excited knowing I was alone, feeling cool, and then wanting it to happen again, and then it didn't happen again the next time. And I was like, what the fuck? What's happening here? Because I so badly wanted to go through puberty because I always wanted to be an adult. So I thought, like, oh, cool, this is the next step in, like, becoming an Oh, so adult. this felt like a rite of passage. Yeah, well, it, it is was a rite, rite of, of passage. passage. That's so it. Wow, succinct and perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of our sexual experiences. If you really look at how they line up for us and how they define us, I think there's so many places where not only is it a rite of passage, but it also becomes um, a pattern, which is a little different and not as exciting. But I was just thinking about, I like to ask people about their first kiss and what their first sexual experiences were like. Because I often find in therapy when couples come in with like a mismatched um, maybe it's a desire, but definitely um, a mismatched physical chemist- chemistry or connection that usually one of the partners made out a ton when they were a kid and got a lot of experience and fulfillment from kissing and the other lost their virginity really quickly sometime in college and hadn't really had a lot of experience before and has no interest in kissing in that same way to connect. Sort of sees sex as like a fast and sort of over thing before you begin talking about it where the person who starts really young and explores themselves gets to know that there's a way that they want to slowly enter into it if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah I think I've been in all sorts of different kinds of like I've been in couples therapy I've been in you know one-on-one therapy from different sort of styles and backgrounds and the only time that anyone ever asked me to really address my sexuality in any of those sessions was this Jungian therapist who was doing an intake session with me to enter me into the low key or the low cost clinic in New York because I was like I need to see a therapist I can't afford anyone and my friend referred me to the Jungian clinic and this older guy it was such a weird experience because it was an intake session he didn't know me at all I had written an essay and filled out a thing and then I came in to meet with him so that he could figure out who to place me with. He hadn't read my essay. He hadn't gone through my intake form at all. And he just sat me on this couch and he didn't look at me and he just looked down at his notes with his legs crossed, older white guy, and he just goes, flipping through the notes, he goes, so, are you orgasmic? And I was like, this feels so, I I was enraged. It made me feel so um, 
sort of like dismissed and also shamed on some weird level and I was like this is the first time that anyone's addressing sexuality with me in a therapeutic context and I have lots to say about it but not this way and it was really interesting because I was so aware in that moment that I had like a ton to say about it so wow I it's I actually like the phrasing of the question on some level and at the same time I imagine that if you are not there with the expectation that you're going to talk about sex then the fact that that question just comes out of nowhere would be pretty alarming. Yep. It definitely just throws was. you off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think my reaction to it now looking at it, like my reaction to it says much more about it than him asking it mm-hmm. for sure. And where I was at the time, like I was in a relationship with someone that I loved very much who I was not having sex with. Yeah. So yeah, I was fucking upset. <laughs> it's just really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot. Yeah, and it's such a trigger. I mean, I actually feel the little switch flipping in my chest right now, even just thinking about how it made me feel. Like, it's a physical reaction when you're like, oh, it's very upsetting. So when you feel that flip, that switch flip, what is that? Is it like an anxiety tension? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's sort of like a hearkening back to what that felt like to be in that relationship with someone who you love so much, but you can't connect with on that fundamental level. And like the sort of like anxiety that lies in between those two things like that difference is just so but that's the state that so many people walk around in on on a day-to-day basis I think that oh they yeah love someone and they're not able to like and that's what you do right when I was a sex sex educator in my 30s in New York I was in a relationship where I loved this man like just such a wonderful human being and we had awful sex and I kept saying to myself this is what I do for a living I can fix this I'm going to fix this and I stayed five years and you know what I could not fix it because sometimes it's not there and that's something I also will bring up to people if it's not there is talking about the reality of a situation but it's really hard to be living this life and feeling like a sexual being like you were saying or wanting to be sexual and being in this place where you're like but not but it's not happening in my relationship and I'm slowly dying inside yeah dying I I can't feel like I certainly in my experience like I felt like all of the things that were telling me to stay in that situation were the things that were acceptable and good societally necessary accepted by friends and family sort of you know laid out for you all the checking the boxes and that the one thing that I wanted so badly that wasn't there was the thing that I wasn't allowed to talk about yeah and when we finally broke up and I started to very carefully and quietly address it with people that I cared about they were like they didn't want to hear it it was really interesting it was a very interesting experience to go through and like to yeah I think I, I don't think I would end up in that situation again though which is something that I've learned from it yeah how, what percentage is shame? In terms of what? Like sexual... Sex, breaking up, uh, things not working out but sticking around. Is it all just like shame and fear? Um, I don't... I think there is a large percentage that's shame-based because I think that if you look at sex from um, certain cultural contexts, religious contexts, it's going to be led by shame. So I think that... Religion sh- is like, hey, yo, heaven or hell. Good yeah, luck. there's a lot of shame in sexual. There's a lot of restrictions in sexuality if you look at religion, and that that breeds a lot of shame because I don't remember the third thing in Brene Brown's shame petri dish, but silence and secrecy 
are two like key factors to the growth of shame. Oh, and, that's the yeast for the bread? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you guys like to cook. You're not going to make a, a shame sandwich. Uh-uh. Just don't talk about it. Don't tell anyone you're doing it. It just gets Do mold. it quietly in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> mold grows on it, but you're like, it's still good. We'll keep it. Silence, secrecy, and like, I, I mean, in my experience, when I got into like a really bad relationship that I stayed in because I was ashamed of, because it was sort of like a, an emotionally abusive situation, so I kept that really quiet. Isolation was the other mm. part, but I don't know. That yeah, that, that would make like sense. Emotional. That was not so much about sex. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But I do think some people stay in relationships because of shame, for sure, especially if they may have a fetish or a certain like proclivity towards a type of sex that is less than vanilla. Um, you may come up with somebody who would stay in a relationship for shame-based reasons. I also think a lot of people just don't know that they could have better sex. They just sort of, it's one of those things you, a lot of people accept in life is that sex isn't going to be great. It's an, it's something you do for somebody else and, or you do it because you're, yeah, in, in this relationship and married and obligated. And I think once they unlock the fact that sex isn't an obligation and it doesn't have to just be done a certain way, that's when the freedom starts to kick in. Which also comes with its own shame. Yeah. No doubt for some people. The freedom does? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like letting letting your freak flag fly openly kind of thing and really being open about any of the sort of choices that you're making that other people might see as being strange. Yeah. And I mean, I heard you say like after the rope thing and kind of in discovering your own sexuality that later on, as you knew more about yourself than most people probably did at the ages that you knew something like this there came a whole thing about shame. And I imagine that some of that is about you knowing yourself. And I think it was honestly like running into teenage boyfriends who didn't know how to deal with a girl who was like, who knew who herself knew a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And they would, try, they, they shamed me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty seriously. I'd be so intimidated by you <laughs> straight up. I don't know what I would do. I might've done the exact same thing that those kids did to you straight up as a defense mechanism to just pop off against me being like oh my god like yeah it was an interesting time because I was an athlete so I was surrounded by boys I was like on the water polo team and I played with the boys and I was also like I was just a social so I was like I was around boys a lot and my instinct was to be physically aggressive with them so there was like this weird dance that I did for a few years as a teenage girl where I became like kind of violent (laughs) oh wow yeah and where is that link for you now when you think about that violence? Was there an erotic component to it for you? No, not at all. Okay. It was just like being on the, you know, the pool deck um, at the Aquarina playing water polo. And one of them would make a comment about my big tits and you know, oh. look, look at her big tits or whatever. And, you know, I was like 15. And so I just kick him in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> it felt great for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for sure, I felt shamed for you know even wanting to kid like I remember really actually the, the most interesting shaming that I ever had was when I was living in Ireland which is such an interesting place to meet a man because they have their own sp- specific a very repressed country for sexuality for sure yes and I dated a wonderful guy who was completely liberated and wonderful but the, this particular guy his name was Philip and uh, he, we met in a bar and I went home with him and I think he was like you know shocked by that and, um, and I slept with him and the next morning I, he was like, what the fuck did you do? 
what the fuck did you do? You, you know, and he called me all sorts of names and he was like, you made me cheat on my girlfriend. All just this crazy stuff. And I was like, holy shit, Philip, <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> Go to confession, yeah. do whatever it is you need to do. You need to, to take your accountability. But and... he cried and he called me a whore and yeah. Oh. I was like, oh buddy, sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. You probably done that crying, yelling thing before. Mm-hmm. It was really shocking to me though, because I had no expectation to like have anything other than a fun. And I didn't do, I didn't hook up with guys at that time. Like I'd only had serious boyfriends. I wasn't like, did a you even know his backstory? No. Yeah. I was just like in Ireland and you know, it's like, maybe I'll have, maybe I'll have a fun night. Why not? Let, let myself have a wild night. And the next morning he was like, you fucking whore. And I was like, okay. Wow. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. And then he cried. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but I don't know. It's okay. It's all okay now. You feel good if I laugh ago. right now? Sure. Good, because it's funny. <laughs> he clearly was having a hard time with monogamy for yeah. himself and struggling around that issue. Is it real? Is monogamy real? Yeah. It's a real choice. It's a real choice. Yeah. Damn, you're good at answers. Mm. <laughs> I'm so good at answers. Yeah, wow. I want to know more about that too because I think like like when you and I met, we were both going to Burning Man and seeing a lot of like the poly community yeah. really celebrate. Like that was the first time that I saw people celebrate being polyamorous openly with like joy and not being a sort of like a, a sneaky keys in a bowl thing that oh. I read about in books, you know, but it was like, oh my God, everyone here is like having a great time and being free and I didn't really understand it. I still don't, I guess. I think... There's lots of different relationship choices, right? So polyamory would be on one end of the spectrum where monogamy would be on another end. There's probably more spectrums that can be added to those ends that project outward. But I think polyamory, um, because there's also non-monogamy, which is different than polyamory in that you're choosing to be potentially sexual with other people, but not necessarily emotionally connected. Of course, some people might argue that whenever you have sex, there's an emotional connection, but others would argue that's not true. So when it comes to polyamory, you're really wanting to know people on a deeper level than just a sexual level, where non-monogamy or open relationships might be just about the sex. Kamala Devi, who is a sex educator and poly enthusiast out of San Diego, had a TV show on Showtime called Married and Dating, I think it was called. Mm -hmm. And I had interviewed her. I used to write for Playgirl. And I interviewed her for an article. Uh, and I was really impressed with something she'd said on the show. And it really stuck with me, which was that you need a PhD in communication in order to be in a poly relationship yeah. successfully. I think a lot of people try and fail because they don't realize how much work it takes to just have more. To, I mean, it takes a lot of work to have one partner. Can you imagine having two or more and balancing everyone's happiness? And there's a term in the poly community, which I love called compersion, which is this idea that I'm happy for my partner's happiness. And that's part of the model that it's based on. I think poly is the same type of choice as monogamy. Either of them I mean, what's more natural is to have multiple partners, maybe not at the same time, but one from one to another. In fact, like I think Helen Fisher says that it's four years that most people would stay in a relationship because it's enough time to meet, mate, and move on. So your kid's like one and they are now a little bit more self-sustained and the animal can go and be and do. And so oh. I think in either situation, if you choose to stay in this monogamous relationship, that's also something you have to talk about 
regularly if if you want it to stay healthy. And if you choose not to be in a just monogamous relationship, you also have to talk about that. But one, if you were going to look at which is more natural, I would probably say it would not be monogamy in terms of just our animal instinct. Hmm. I feel like that the whole idea of having to have an, a, a PhD in communication in order to be in a poly relationship means that they're also less coercive, probably. Like, is that true? I mean, I, it's interesting because you can be in a poly relationship and still cheat. Mm. which really it took me a little while like I it happens all the time that's not being honest with somebody about an outside relationship right so um I would love to think that that's a yes that it's less there's less coercion but I can also say that um for years when I was working um in radio around sexuality we would go to hedonism and be part of the swinger community for a week and film our radio shows from out there. And I saw a lot of really ugly things. And I, not because I think the swinger community has is ugly, but because some people enter it not knowing what they're getting into. Or so, There were people who felt like they were doing it for their partner. Um, there were people who showed up there. One year I remember a couple who just sort of came into the community because they happened to be at the resort and they got into a physical altercation because they didn't have enough conversation about what was going to happen. So that's what I mean when I, I've seen the spectrum. So I would, I'd love that answer to be, there would be no coercion in sex, but we know that's not true either. So I don't know the answer. Right. Have you seen, hold on, really quick. I feel like I'm, <laughs> hold on. You wrote for Playgirl. You've been to hedonism. What have you done? Who are you? Like, <laughs> holy cow. I'm a nice Jewish girl from Long Island. No, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Who's also written a bunch of books. Who's written us so many books. Gave me an amazing DVD called 101 Positions for Lovers. <gasps> it, it's people in Jamaica having good sex in wild positions that you directed. Oh, they were like, real sports in that shoot yes who are you and i got a vibrator and you got that's right <laughs> thank you yes please amazing uh can you just give a cool rundown of like how rad you are <laughs> um well thank you for thinking i'm rad um yeah so i started my career in radio and uh i was a radio producer who got into sexuality work and from sexuality work uh, in radio so i worked with a guy named bob berkowitz who had started this show called um real personal on msnbc and it was one of the first shows to ever talk about sexuality it was a talk show format and he just launched he was on the today show as a men's correspondent so he launched and then we did a radio show together and he got me hooked on talking about sex now granted my sexual experiences started fairly young and weren't just on a straight and narrow path. So I had questions about my own sexuality growing up. Um, and I was always interested in exploring sex. So when I had somebody I could talk to about things, I was like all in. And this was a man and he knew like he'd, he introduced me to all types of populations around sexuality. And that's where my career went from. I did my master's in sex education while I was a radio producer. I worked at a sex toy shop in New York, now known as Babeland. Um, I wrote for Playgirl. I, um, I worked with Candida Royale on porn films. I kind of wanted to know a little bit about everything that was going on at the time in the sex industry. I mean, now with social media and everything else, there's yeah. a whole new 
world and a, a number of wonderful people out there. But yeah, I just immersed myself in understanding the sex industry kind of like we were talking before the weed industry now it was like it still is the wild wild west but it was such a wild west time and it was such a small time and my friend uh lux once coined the term the pink ghetto and that's where i felt like i lived oh wow so yeah i just really i loved talking about sex and i love talking to anybody who wanted to talk about sex about sex so that's how my career started and then i got really lucky i wrote four books i got to do a podcast. I got to write for magazines and just had a really wonderful time of it and then became a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only pulling up your books on Amazon because I was looking at them and some of the titles I was like, ooh wee, these are oh. very blunt titles. And oh, like very... Hot Sex, Over 200 Things You Can Try Tonight, yeah. Getting Off a Woman's Guide to Masturbation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, my claim to fame from my friend Harry in Israel is that um, REM came and shot one of their videos in a, in the sex toy shop. So I'm in the REM video and that's like the thing he loves the most about me. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. Oh, how to Break Up With Anyone. Oh, that one is a book that's actually about letting go of friends, family, and everyone in between. So it talks about breaking up from a cult, breaking up from your community, breaking up from your family, breaking up from your sexuality and your gender. Uh, so the interesting thing that is that's my latest book and it, it, I don't let anybody break up on text. I don't even talk about it in the book. It's not an option. Mm. I mean, yeah. it is an option, clearly. But it ain't but, a fucking. It shouldn't be. <laughs> no, but it should not be. Okay. Damn. I will read that only to know where I went right and wrong in my life. You know, straight up. <laughs> the breaking up. Yeah. Clear, concise, consistent. That's the, that's the key. Those are the keys to a good breakup. Stay clear Stay concise. This isn't working because and be consistent about the message. And then research actually shows that when you end a, a relationship on a positive note, here's something I really appreciated about our relationship and something I learned because of you, you are more likely to uh, be able to stay in relate in relationship or stay closer with the person. It will always be an easier breakup. Hmm. That's so nice. Damn. Damn. Yeah. I just saved you $14.99. Nah. Uh, there's somebody out there who honestly <laughs> is hearing all of this and there are like check marks missing from their boxes. Yeah. yeah. No, like I mean, it's hard. It's hard to keep your boundaries in any, in a lot of situations and breaking up would be one of those for sure. It's so hard. It's so hard to be broken up with too. I've been on the receiving end of that after, you know, like being in a situation that some friends of mine were like, well, I don't really want to be around to watch you go through that. It was a you know bad relationship. And a couple of them just amputated our friendship. And I, I just wish that they'd been able to sort of know how to talk to me about it because I, I then did like the trail of tears and like was just like, what happened? You know, and they were just like, I can't, they wouldn't speak to me. And it was really, um, interesting to go through and sort of feel that from a friend i yeah. never had that happen before to be ghosted you know and are you talking about you're talking about breakups with friends friends yeah and that's another i mean it's so taboo to talk about it and it mm -hmm. happens so often i read about it so much on social media just like friends who are like i don't know what i did yeah or you know whatever it is yeah it's really friendships have endings too yes hard to remember <laughs> oh. Archie, I'm your friend. Punctuating that, yep. Goes forever, my friend Archie. Archie really wants us to know that yep, point. Hit that point people home. People in the hallway, Archie. <laughs> but um, how, like, how do you address ghosting if you have you know someone that is dealing with that kind of situation? 
or wanting to do it themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think that's such a tough one because I look, I get why you ghost. Like, I it it makes it makes life easier to just in some situations walk away, but I don't think it ever makes life better. And I feel like the person that you gave whatever amount of time and energy to that you spent, you had a quality experience with, if it's, you know, of course there's enough of a relationship there, they deserve to at least just hear that you're, that that this isn't working or hear that you're gone. And even if it's just a quick message, voice message that says, you know, Hey, I just needed to let you know that this isn't working and I want a ghost and I'm not going to do that because I feel like I just owe you this call. I feel like for me, that would be better, even though I'd still hate you afterwards, most likely. It would be nicer to, I mean, I'd have feelings, I would say, if that happened to me. I think it's just nicer to know. And I think it takes a lot. Think about, like, if, if you've ever been ghosted, like, that can be really torturous for people for a long time. A long time. A long time. Yeah. The repercussions go on for a long time. And karma, man. you have been to burning man (laughs) um do you deal with in your therapy do you talk to people about their substance use and like their use of marijuana as an aphrodisiac or any of that kind of like does weed fit into your practice as a an educator or therapist at all I always ask about substances as a therapist and Mm -hmm. I think as an educator at the time Weed wasn't just as talked about when I was really educating, but I do talk to people about um, it now as a therapist because for some people, weed and sex are a perfect combination and can maybe get them out of their mind and into their body so that they can really feel what's going on and experience it without the brain, which is our most powerful sex organ, overtaking the whole experience. So I can see it being a really... um, workable and pleasurable thing for people who definitely can't get out of their head. Mm -hmm. And I ask clients if they just have had any experience with it and what that is like for them. Um, But on the flip side, for somebody who, who that creates severe anxiety and where they become sort of compulsive or obsessive about something, that may not be the best idea. And I ask if they're using two to see just how they're using it and if it if it's working is if it's if it's an added bonus or if it's you know detracting from the experience mm-hmm. i know some people wrote in and wanted to like know some things specifically about like we were like we're going to be talking to a sex educator they're like can you we, ask about weed yeah, well yeah because because of what we're on right now yeah. we can get to a lot of these other questions later but this one specifically leans into that so hard so i'm just going to read it yeah um, my partner and i have sex and love it but it's so much better blazed so is it accidentally possible like that you build up a dependency on that so that then you need something like getting high permanently to have sex with the person you decide to be with so that's a great question and i the thing that comes up for me as i hear that is it's sort of like any habit right or um that if it becomes the thing you associate, if you associate having sex with smoking pot and that's how you do it every time, then likely there will be some desire to do it more often that way. I don't think it will be necessary to have a good time, but I imagine it will feel like at times that it might, it will feel lacking without it. 
if yeah. that makes sense. Totally. Mm-hmm. So I think it would, in that situation, what I would want the couple to explore is what does it feel what does it feel like without weed and what does it feel like with and be really consciously focused on both of those experiences. So you notice I'm, I'm more open. Uh, my orgasms come more easily. I want to, I want it to last longer. Like where do these things fit into the weed versus no weed category and sort of take stock of what weed does to the sexual relationship and then either decide that cool now I know and it's working for me and I want to do it this amount of times or all right I want to sort of do one time on one time off whatever you know but I think with anything there's a if you feel like it if you feel like you're having better sex because you're on pot then there is going to be some sort of core belief that forms or idea that forms right that says I have better sex when I'm on pot does that mean you need it that's that's for you to decide, but it, it will, I think it will start to become an association. I'm sure it will. Yeah. But it is pretty awesome to have sex. Well, yeah. What do you guys think about sex on pot? <laughs> love it. <laughs> what do you love about it? Uh, that I'm not here. Mm. I love not being on earth. I crave it at every turn and having sex while high just lets me disassociate from like being alive but it sounds like you get really hyper focused on the sexual experience yeah but i drift like i don't know how to explain how i escape i just escape my own like habitual brain like whatever i'm thinking about all day long and whatever i'm at all day because i only have sex at 11 30 at night like that is <laughs> what i love about being high and having sex is just not feeling like myself. Like not, I'm not a human anymore. I'm like with somebody, and it's really like outer space. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's such a stoner answer. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I I joke because it's like that's the truth, though. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, it sounds like it's really a time where you get to get out of your mind and yeah. be sort of wherever you want. Sometimes in your body, sometimes out of your body. Totally. And I think. I think that's, yeah, well, I think that's okay. So to hone in because you're like giving me these gifts of like succinct, you know, like bouncing it back at me with what I'm trying to say in a long way. It's, um, it's like whether it's aggressive sex or it's like, just like love or whatever type of sex it is, I'm, I'm finding peace in it Mm, and that's an acceptance and acceptance. And that is so necessary for me. Okay. Yeah. 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 I need I need that. At eleven thirty. <laughs> to eleven thirty-three. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there's a can I tell you a really quick? There's a great joke. Have you ever seen Big Mouth on Netflix? It's all about yes. this kids going through puberty. You've seen that shit? I have. So there's have you seen it? No. So but I know it is. So there's this great joke where the two parents are having sex and it's that joke where it says like eleven thirty at night and then they start having sex and then it says Ding, and then it says 11.31 and it cuts back to them and they go I can't believe we had sex for 12 hours in one minute it's <laughs> amazing <laughs> it was like oh my god <laughs> that's so funny it's such a solid joke yeah anyway okay <laughs> yeah I'm, what do you think about having sex while being high it's so interesting the, like the differences in 
all of the, like sex when you're a little drunk or sex when you're a little stoned yeah. or sex when you're sober, or, like sex after a yoga class or sex on psychedelics. Or, like there, there so many cool and different ways to experience your body touching someone else's body. Yes. Um, and also all of those things are just with your own body, you know, like, or your body like in a lake or whatever it is like those, those, that's kind of a weird sexual experience too, I think in a, in a lot of ways or has been for me. Um, so I would say some of my favorite experiences have definitely been in nature while pleasantly stoned, like in the, like in the sunshine and just like being able to hear things around you in a different way and like hear kind of like hear the earth breathe while you're, you know, with someone else. It's one of the most beautiful things in the world. Absolutely. Mm. But that said, like, I don't necessarily feel like it's always my favorite choice because I'm sometimes, like if I'm not out in nature, sometimes it can lock me in my head a little bit and then I can't experience my body the way I want to. So it's not always my favorite choice. Yeah, it reminds me too of the other side of it where for some people it makes you really self-conscious or mm-hmm. if you get dry mouth or something and you aren't able to do certain things or your body actually can sometimes just dry up as well. So just those sort of like dealing with those things as well could be part of the experience. Yeah, having having sex on, on mushrooms I think was like... A what really was that inter- like? well it's so weird because it, all of a sudden it's not sex it's like what's going on <laughs> and that was actually funny because it wasn't dark at all it was just like very sort of like almost comical and sort of like felt very cosmic it felt like um yeah it was interesting I don't know I don't know if I would like be like I'm gonna take mushrooms and bone again like, like I don't think so that's much. what most people do and no, right they don't psychedelics it's like not yeah. for fucking but no. yeah Molly like, yeah Molly, Molly Molly's for fucking yeah and like yeah like getting super baked on a summer afternoon and like being in a meadow getting down yeah all about it <laughs> awesome. there was a second user question and it was uh somebody who loves uh giving head while high but their mouth keeps getting cotton mouth. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah, actually, I would try something like an Altoid to start. And even if you're not sucking on it, putting it in your cheek or like under your lip a little, kind of like people would do with um, like tobacco, I guess. When I don't know. Yeah, like yeah, a little that. dip. Yeah, um, because that the idea that you're already sucking on something could create more saliva. Um, and the other thought would be to... Otherwise, use like an ice cube and do the same thing because that'll melt in your mouth. But with putting a sucking, any sort of thing that you can suck on and still keep the penis in the mouth, uh, that should help with the salivary glands. Do you have any experience with any of the um, cannabis-infused lubricant products that are on the market nowadays? I have not tried any of them. Have I'm going to you... give you one tonight oh. that you should take home with you. <gasps> Thank you. Yeah. I will try it. I had a girlfriend writing something up about one of them, and she does not smoke or anything, and she got super high because she put a lot inside of her and <laughs> was like, I could not move for the rest of the day. Yeah, there's one product in particular that's made for anal play. It's called Explore. It's made by a company. Um, that is like they're they're actually founded by sex educators. They're a really interesting company. Is I think I know which company is for you. Yep. Um, I've tried a couple of different uh, kinds. Generally, it's just sort of like a little bit warmer, and you know, you feel a little pleasant, like okay. buzzy. It's like having a um, any kind of topical like bath bomb soak, or you know, like it it does 
act a little bit on your endocannabinoid system, but it doesn't get you high. It's not psychoactive. Okay. But it's a pleasant experience for sure. And I was uh, privy to a moment when a woman in her 60s who had been a cannabis cup judge was sitting down to like give her feedback about being a topicals judge and she was like well that weed lube I just needed another week with that stuff like she was just so stoked as like a postmenopausal woman she had like had a great time with this I can't remember yeah but she was like she was all like flushed in a twitter and so it was really lovely oh yeah uh do you have any I have some agenda questions we have some yeah, we have some sexy questions. We have some questions like sexy we, questions. Yeah. Do you have any that you are just like sitting on that are? I think I've asked most of yeah. them. You ever see some freaky shit, Jane? <laughs> <laughs> what is the freakiest <laughs> shit you've ever seen? Actually, I do want it's to know. It's such the a like, like. I mean, it's base, but also like you've you don't judge anything. Yeah, you just I'm are there to, to like educate and help. Freaky, but it's funny. Don't as let it, me label it because of my were, own ignorance. Yeah, as you were saying that, I was thinking about just a time I was sitting on top of a cage in a hotel suite with a friend of mine talking about like our flights home the next day while people are getting spanked and flogged and gagged around me. And literally someone comes over and is like, can you get off the cage? We want to use it. But but um, actually, one of my favorite experiences, uh, I have a friend in New York named Abby, and she, uh, I met her because she ran a magazine um, in, in, no, she knew all the freaks in the East Village. So she was just an interesting odd bird. And I is one of my dearest friends. Shout out Abby. Yeah. <laughs> and one day she's like, Jamie, will you come with me to New Jersey? I just agreed to go get sploshed and I'm going to make some money. And this guy's videotaping it for his website. So I don't want to go alone. So I went with her to this hotel room in Jersey where this guy had bought um, like six, I don't think it was just six pies. It was more cream pies, chocolate and banana, which really sound delicious until you smell them on a human body and then they don't sound so good anymore. And he put her in the shower in a corset and like fish, uh, oh my God, you know fishnets thank you i'm like fish stocks that's not the word fish stocks fish you know those stocks, ancient you know? where you put their arms through one and a head she through the like, middle she was guillotined and, um, no he put her in the shower and she and just would come up and just slam pies on her and smear them down her body and he did this for a good amount of time. And he told me after I asked him how he knew he liked pies, like as a sexual thing. And he said, because he, when he was younger, he watched the Three Stooges. And it's really interesting because a lot of your sexual, like when, when you think about people uh, with like stocking fetishes or. Um, Stepped on high heels. Yeah. Like, well, maybe. Sort of that one, high heel piece. I don't know about the stepped on. The stepped on piece might come a little later. But Uh as a young boy, say, and you see your mom putting on stockings or heels, you become infatuated with that thing. And it kind of goes back to your question earlier about sex with, you know, talking about bringing mom or dad into sex. Like our youngest, some of our youngest uh, ideas around sex are formed by what we see in the house. So those kinds of things happen. He watched the Three Stooges a lot of the time, clearly while he was going through some sexual bursts in his brain. And it's now a thing for him. 
and like a serious thing. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the most interesting uh, experiences in terms of being very up close with somebody who like had such a passion for something that you wouldn't necessarily think about as sexy pies. Yeah. But they were. Is a lot of our sex nurture over nature? Like what we're into? So... I think I think sex is not natural. In fact, Leonor Tiefer, and I'm throwing out a lot of names just in case there's a sex geek out there who wants to read these kinds of things. But Leonor Tiefer is a professor in uh, New York who is brilliant and wrote a book years ago called Sex is Not Natural. And she was she's still really like talks out against the magazine covers that say like 50 ways to have great sex or all these other things. So I think it a lot, I mean, look, I think procreation is nature. Like, okay, if you want to make another human, this is what you need to do. But the rest of it, you got to learn that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's work. And I think that's the other piece that people don't really understand or want to like deal with sometimes in certain situations is that sex is going to take work. Good sex might happen the first time, might happen the second time, but two years down the road, you're, there's always going to be a time when it needs some work. Yeah. And that you have to, I was looking on uh, at one of your videos about like how to give a good blowjob, like that there are like ways to be a good lover that are mechanical. I mean, there yes. are actual things that you can just learn. Warmth, moisture, you, pressure. Yeah. That make you a better lover. I remember when I read The Joy of Sex when I was a teenager and, you know, it's just such a great primer to come. Luckily, I, you know, I read it when I was like, you know, just coming of age and interested in that kind of thing. And Those pictures changed my life. Yep. Yeah, yeah. My parents had that book and that was my first like flip through like, what is this? Joy yeah. of Sex. And like, oh, there are things that you, it's not just like two bodies slamming together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yep. I do have one more. Do you have any more before I Mm-mm. ask this final one? I love our culture right now in that like like everybody is just like owning the fuck out of who they are. Like most people and are yeah. fighting for like their own identity and just being like, what up? This is me. Fucking deal with it because I'm like feeling myself. And this isn't so much a question as much as me asking you what you think of the world and what your opinion on like how people are right now. I mean, in terms of sexual culture and stuff, and I think it's interesting because you come from, as you were saying that I realized, Oh yeah, you have that privileged lens of young culture because I think that there's a divide somewhere around 30 something where there are the people who did not have that same experience of social media being as accessible and people being able to say, yeah, this is who I am, take it or leave it. That, that there, there's a clear divide somewhere, and I'm no expert in social media, but around 30, let's say, where if you're 30, 31, 32, you're still in that sweet spot. But for people older, there's still a lot of struggle. I mean, I see people every day who are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who struggle with coming out, struggle with acceptance of something about their sexuality. And so I think it's a beautiful place to be in this new age where there's so much more acceptance and so much less like BS, like the Me Too movement. What we're seeing, which now is incredible, and it seems like there's a real sea change happening. Um, But I think we can't forget how hard it's been 
to not be able to say and in so many places to still not be able to say fuck yeah this is who i am it's not safe everywhere to be who we are most places it's not yeah Mm -hmm. and so i think it's this like the internet is such a a beautiful bubble i i don't i don't know how the culture is going to shift and turn i just hope that we recognize um especially when it comes to sex like where we came from and where we'd be actually if you want to get into this, which we're not not into it, but like just, you know, Magnus Hirschfeld in the 1920s in Germany had started to study. In fact, um, Transparent touches on this in one of their seasons. I think it might be three. Magnus Hirschfeld was studying transgender, uh, bisexuality, fetishes, all of these homosexuality, all of these things at the time that were so not spoken of. And he had done so much research and the Nazis burned it all to the ground. So there's so much we don't know that might have already been being done. And we're kind of just starting over. Wow. Mm. Wow. Before we end, uh, I know there are a couple more reader questions that I want you to ask because okay. we some had some people DMing us on Weed and Grub oh, saying man. like, oh my God, please tell me how to um, live my life. No. Some of these, if you give short answers and some of them are obviously broader, but okay. I, I want to get to all of them that I can. Okay. Okay. Why does sex feel better when I'm high? I think we kind of answered yeah. that, right? I mean, I think that that's really just that the idea that you're not in your brain and it's such a body experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, because you're a cool person, um, <laughs> and your parents love you. <laughs> uh, indica or sativa? When I have sex, where should I start? Now, I'm not the expert on this piece, but I would probably say sativa, right? Because that would be more of doesn't indica put you to sleep? Well, I would actually say hybrid or indica okay. for sex. I think that sativa is more sort of like uh, h- hiking and dancing and like, you know, c- clean in your bathroom tile <laughs> grout, which is what I like to do when I'm high on <laughs> sativa. Did it yesterday, in fact. My bathroom looks great. <laughs> but like a hybrid, honestly. Well, let me ask you a question about indica then. Indica. Mm-hmm. Um, does it usually put you to sleep? It certainly can if you get a really super stony indica. It can it can like put you put you on the couch and you know make you feel like logy. But there's nothing better than like tangling your limbs up in someone else's when you feel like that. Ah, you okay, know? makes sense. Totally. Yeah, kind of. And it, like I feel like it just relaxes. I don't know. I would I would say indica for me. Someone described preference. it to me where sativa is more of like one's more of a mind and one's more of a body. Yeah. So sativa is sort of like the euphoric up the racy characteristics that make you feel like you want to sort of be m- moving a lot. And Indica is the sort of like relaxing a lot of, um, you know, like people say Indica couch, you know, like that'll put you, put you on the couch. So yeah, that makes sense. Indica, for Indica couch. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Indica couch with someone on top of you. <laughs> Just find out what works for you. I would say. Indica on top of you. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Um, this person sent me a link to a porn hub thing and I saw a uh, dude take a bong rip out of a bong inside of a vagina. And they just said, have you seen that before? <laughs> you know, I've seen a lot. And that is not something I have seen before. Mm. Um, but it sounds interesting. <laughs> what have you seen before? What if have you could I say, seen before? Is, if it's allowed. Because, oh. you know, everyone's gone to Tijuana and seen the ping pong ball. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. I saw that. Not in Tijuana, but I've seen oh. that. 
<laughs> oh, I think I saw it in Amsterdam. Oh. Actually. Okay. I saw a woman get a pap smear on stage at Burning Man. Oh. That was gross. <laughs> <laughs> Did they have a camera so that people could watch it on a large screen? No, it was just like she was on a chair and then some guy had a speculum and I don't know. It was just weird. I mean, it was interesting, but it just didn't feel safe. It's just not the place it's, you would want to no. do something like that if you didn't have to do it. Yeah, exactly. Especially without a tent around you. Mm-mm. It was under the open sky with a dust storm approaching. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was weird. Wrap her in saran. That sounds Come dangerous. On, guys. Just, yeah, anyway. Golly. Carry on. All right. Uh, does one unlubed anal adventure ruin your butthole forever? So the butt does not self lubricate, but if you went in there and there was no tearing or bleeding or anything and there's no pain now, I doubt that one unlubed anal adventure will ruin Uranus for everyone. Hmm. But I what's the best no. way what what's the best way to make sure that your butthole's not ruined? Well, I would definitely say use lube because you want there's just so much sensitive tissue and it it feels better with lube. So I would use a lube and I would actually get um you know like at CVS what they Floss. or any drugstore like uh when you have a kid you can get a syringe to give them their medicine mm-hmm. you could get one of those or uh, they actually make syringes to insert lube up your butt so you can buy one like that and i would actually put lube up your butt before you go in there and then this way you don't have to worry about it being up there and waiting um you could also huh. if you're if you're in a fluid bonded relationship so you're not using condoms you could use like um coconut oil or something like that. Oh. You can't use oil with condoms, but that's an option. But I would just say use something that's very moisturizing, um, not like Vaseline. But uh, it could be used, but it's just not what it just takes a bit to come out of your body. But use something that's more moisturizing or even a anal based lube mm-hmm. like Explore. Yep. Heck yeah. For all you so cooks for you, out you there. Should yeah. Right. <laughs> Sponsor yeah, yeah. Foria should sponsor, sponsor us. And yeah, if you have like avocado oil, yeah, walnut oil, grape seed oil, grape seed oil, Ooh, high smoke oil. point. Yep, canola <clears throat> oil. For all that fast pounding, you need a grape seed because of the high smoke point. It won't catch fire. Yeah. Wow. What? Uh, we, we, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Come on, light, lightning round. We're I'm in the sorry. lightning round now. Uh, why do you guys come when the prostate is touched? Because uh, it feels good. Boom. <laughs> uh, oh, this is one. Um, is squirting mental and I just can't do it? Or is there a specific spot that needs to be found so I can squirt? So squirting is not mental um, because it's actually really the, a physiological thing. So here are the things I've learned about squirting. Uh, first of all, it's not always an orgasm, but it is a great party trick. Uh I shot a movie years ago and I wanted to have squirting in the film. So I looked in up who the squirter of the year was at the time and booked her so I could watch what she was doing as well. And the key to squirting that I have found, uh, one of the keys, depending on how much you want to squirt, I should say, is to drink a lot of liquids uh-huh. before you engage in sex. And that makes squirting a, a much higher, it makes the possibility of squirting higher. Also, I feel like for squirting, um, 
there has to be something inside the vagina and it usually has to be like going pretty quickly at least at first in order to kind of understand it so squirting is something you have to play with both your level of liquidation i don't or whatever how many liquids are in your body as well as where you're touching in your body because for some people to squirt you have to be really far back in the vagina closer to the cervix um, they've labeled that spot sometimes the anterior fornix erogenous zone or the a spot so for some people that's where even though you squirt out your skin's glands technically if you're just well if you're female ejaculating it's out the screen skin's glands i look at squirting as a more general like it combines a lot of things it's going to be liquid your g-spot is your part of, your urethral sponge is where you get, gather all of that liquid and when you massage the g-spot you're massaging the urethral sponge you're clearly it's in the urethra and the bladder and coming out but um it's going to go through that area so it's i think you just have to keep she has to keep trying and yeah. next time she tries she should just make sure she's like well hydrated oh what a like kind like yeah drink a gatorade give it another shot yeah and give it a go <laughs> gatorade and go <laughs> gatorade and go oh my god um though there was two more if that might have been the best ending though i'm gonna be honest but these are them is anyone oh this is okay two things this is a doubler but it's worth it um why do i like eating ass and is anyone 100 percent straight so I'm not sure why you like eating ass, but I imagine that it is hot and erotic and it's a way to be really close with somebody that uh, most people aren't going to get up close and personal with that person in the same way. So there's some real intimacy to eating ass sometimes, and sometimes it's just this really hot erotic act. But I would love to know more about why you think you like eating ass. That's the best question. Um, and then as far as... Part two. What was part Is two? Is anybody 100% straight? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so if you looked at the Kinsey scale, uh, a zero and a six would be what Kinsey found as completely straight or completely gay. And he said that 10% of the population fit into that category. I do think there are people who would say they are completely straight or gay, but like, I, it's not most people. Hmm. That's all the reader questions. Mm, um yep yep there's there's so much there's so much in here and this was such a cool experience i'm sorry i talk so much no what are you talking about it's so amazing (laughs) to have you and like smoke and snack and talk and learn and i wish we could have you again yeah well we can right (laughs) (laughs) next week i'd love to come back again please yeah it's such we can talk sex toys yeah Oh, that'd be awesome. I mean, it's so great because especially now in this current, you know, day and age that we're living in to talk about something that's like something that everyone can do. That's a that's a great fun thing like sex, you know, by yourself or with someone like let me just state that again. Like you can you can be sexy by yourself. And that's an important thing to remember sometimes if you're feeling down. Yes. So and on the sex toy tip, like because every time I watch porn, I just watch what I like do what I want to do and move on. But there's so much stuff out there where like, I've seen like, like penis cages and like edging and such like stuff that like, I just was like, what's the stuff that I never look up that I know is available just to like, see what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Sounding. 
What is oh, sounding? Oh, oh, no. What is sounding? <laughs> That's the stuff that you never look up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've got to come back. You've got to come back. Oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> I have chills and yeah, I'm multiplying. So oh, okay. God. And on that note, yes. Jamie Waxman, thank yeah. you for coming on and being our guest on Weed and Grub. It was so G- nice to give all like the family. plugs so that people can like reach out to you and find you and everything you have accomplished and do. Um, so I have a website. It's waxmansextherapy.com. Uh, I am on Twitter, but I don't know the last time I tweeted uh, at J-A-M-Y-E. And I have a Facebook page too, Jamie Waxman. And I have an Instagram, which is Hot Sex Therapy. What, how do you spell your name? J-A-M-Y-E. Jamie. Oh, but J-A- you spell your name Y-O-U-R-N-A-M-E. But I spell Jamie J-A-M-Y-E. <laughs> <laughs> say <laughs> okay right. anything else no i'm ready to smoke a joint <laughs> yeah me too okay thank you thank, thank you thank you bye bye